0: Hello and welcome to the Hypochondriacs Almanac Podcast. I am very excited to be with you guys again. I am recording on a Sunday morning for you now by myself today doing this solo. Katrina, my usual co-host, has been hanging out with the kids this summer, so that kind of leaves me in a unique position to be able to do a few of the shows myself, which I definitely enjoy. So before we get started on the topic for the day, I thought it might be fun to read about something interesting that has captured my attention from current events in the news at the moment. This particular article that I found is called Doctors Remove 500 Teeth from Seven-Year-Old's Mouth. And this was actually an article that was copied on several different websites, but I found this particular one on InsideEdition.com and it basically said that a little boy in India is feeling a lot better after a recent dental procedure removed 500 teeth from his mouth. The 7-year-old had complained of swelling on one side of his lower jaw for several years. Upon examination, doctors discovered a large benign tumor, and within that tumor there were hundreds of small tooth-like structures. The boy's medical condition is called compound composite odontoma, and is so rare only a handful of people are known to have experienced it around the world. Another well-publicized instance occurred in 2014 in India. In this case, a teenager from the city of Mumbai had over 200 teeth removed from his mouth. Doctors aren't certain what causes the abnormal growth, but fortunately they are able to treat those who have it. This is absolutely crazy. Can you imagine having 500 teeth in your mouth and how insane that would be? I can't even imagine. It's crazy enough that we have molar teeth that pop up a little bit later in life that we have to have removed as well, but I can't even imagine there being 500 teeth in your mouth. That was just a little bit of an interesting distraction and side note before we hop into what we are going to be talking about on the show today. The topic for today's show is going to be pain management. And this is per a request of a very special listener out there who requested that we talk about some pain management techniques. And I'm more than happy to do that. Um, as you know, this is the podcast for all of you out there who think you have a new disease every time you have a sniffle, a slight twinge, or a headache. It is not a tumor, folks. We understand, we identify, and we have definitely scoped out WebMD more than a few hundred times. We are here to talk about weird diseases, strange illnesses, crazy syndromes, rare disorders, and all Everything in between. Before we get started, we need to talk about a few little disclaimers. First and foremost, I am not a doctor, a nurse, or a medical professional, so please, please, please do not take anything I say on this show as medical advice. Here at Hypochondriacs Almanac, we are not trying to treat, diagnose, or fix any medical conditions. If you have an issue of any kind, we recommend you see your doctor. Don't guess or take what we say as a diagnostic tool. We just want to talk about all the weird, fun, and wild parts of the medical field in the past, present, and future. So pain management. This is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart as well because I have dealt with a couple of significant issues throughout my life. Being that I'm a pretty athletic person, I have dealt with injuries from playing sports. I tore a labrum during a non-sports related activity and had to have surgery for that. And it took me about a year and a half to recover from that. During that time, I did not take any pain medication other than some Aleve or Advil for that pain. I've also dealt with chronic back and neck pain throughout my life due to sort of a curvature of the spine and some bone spurs and things of that nature that have sort of come up through the years and kind of created periodic pain in my neck, shoulder, and back. And then as well, I have dealt with pain related to having an interstitial cystitis. So I'm going to cover off on some pain management techniques that, that may be helpful to people in assisting to manage chronic pain and pain throughout the body. I'm going to start out with some tips for living with chronic pain. I know that there are quite a few people out there that have some conditions like IBS or IC or back, neck, MS, any kind of illnesses, diseases, and syndromes, which create a significant amount of pain. It's really, really important to learn what works best for you because there is no one technique, medication, supplement, whatever, that is going to work 100% of the time for 100% of the people out there. That is why it is so important to take a look at what's out there, do your research, and find the technique that works best for you. One thing that experts, psychologists, and doctors recommend is to learn deep breathing or meditation to help you relax. And this can be so very important. These sorts of techniques help your body to relax and then that can help ease your pain because tension and tightness seep from the muscles And create even more pain. So it is really important that you help learn how to help those muscles relax. There are many ways to meditate, but the soothing power of meditation is really effective for some people in managing their pain symptoms. Focus on your breath, ignore your thoughts, and repeating a word or phrase called a mantra can help your body to relax. If you really want to learn more about it, maybe you could take a class on it or do some research online, get a book, maybe listen to something on Audible that will help you sort of create the best relaxation technique for yourself. But it's really important to find a quiet location, a comfortable body position, and block out any distracting thoughts, including but not limited to the pain that's going on in your body at the moment. Then you're supposed to sort of imagine a spot just below your navel Breathe into that spot, fill your abdomen with air, and then let the air out, sort of like deflating a balloon. This can be really effective in helping sort of centralize your thoughts and forget about the pain. Another technique that is really effective in managing chronic pain is reducing the stress in your life, because much like the muscle tension helps sort of increase the pain and increase your thoughts about the pain, stress can also intensify chronic pain. Negative feelings like depression, anxiety, stress, and anger can increase the body's sensitivity to pain as well. So learning to control that stress can help you naturally find relief from chronic pain. Listening to soothing or calming music can help lift your mood and make living with chronic pain a lot more bearable. There are even specially designed relaxation tapes or CDs or recordings or podcasts and things of that nature that can help you perfect that relaxation as well. Uh, Mental imagery relaxation, also called guided imagery, is a form of mental escape that can help you feel peaceful. It also involves creating peaceful images in your mind. Progressive muscle relaxation is another technique that can promote relaxation. And again, I will provide the links to the articles that I used to help create this podcast so that those of you who want a little bit more information can take a look at those and maybe look up more information on your own. Another technique for controlling chronic pain is using the natural endorphins from exercise. Endorphins are brain chemicals that help improve your mood while also blocking out pain signals. Exercise has another pain-reducing effect. It strengthens muscles, helping prevent re-injury and further pain. Plus, exercise can help keep your weight down, reduce heart disease risk, and control blood sugar levels. All of these are really important if you are trying to manage diabetes. Ask your doctor for an exercise routine that is right for you. Also, carrying a little bit of extra weight can do a little bit more damage because it's putting more stress on your muscles and your bones. So that exercise can help you control your weight and thus alleviate some of those issues. If you have an issue like diabetic neuropathy, you need to be careful about the types of activities you engage in, and your doctor can advise you on the best physical activities for you. Another thing Technique that is recommended to help deal with chronic pain is to cut back on alcohol. Alcohol consumption, a lot of people are unaware of, although it may provide a little bit of temporary relief and sort of numbing out those painful spots, it can actually do more damage in the long run than help. Pain makes sleep difficult, and alcohol can make sleep problems worse. So, if you're living with chronic pain, drinking less alcohol or no alcohol can actually improve your quality of life. So, In addition to helping create sleep-related problems, alcohol can also create inflammation in your body, which can make areas of pain even worse. So you want to either cut back or drop that habit from your life altogether if you are suffering from chronic pain or chronic disease. The fifth thing that I would recommend for people that are suffering from chronic pain is to join a support group. And I know that might sound kind of strange, but meeting other people who are living with chronic pain can actually be a very helpful tool in helping you understand what you're going through and feel less alone. You can also benefit from the wisdom of other people in a group like that. Because many of them have been living with chronic pain and chronic disease for many years, they may know some techniques that you have never heard of that can be very effective for your type of pain. And consider meeting with a mental health professional. Developing depression is a very, very common thing for people that are suffering from chronic pain or from chronic disease. So it's really important that you get yourself useful techniques from a professional that can help you cope and help avoid negative thoughts that can only make your pain worse. It can also help you have a healthier attitude overall, which can help reduce your pain. Smoking. If you smoke and you have chronic pain or chronic disease, stop Smoking Smoking can worsen painful circulation problems and increase the risk of heart disease and cancer. It also just makes inflammation in the body worse. So you want to avoid that if at all possible. Another thing that doctors recommend in helping to reduce and control chronic pain is tracking pain levels and activities every day. To effectively treat your pain, your doctor needs to know how you've been feeling during visits. And this is very, very important. So they recommend that you keep a log or a journal of the daily pain score, which helps you track your pain. At the end of the day, you're going to want to know your pain level on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the least and 10 being the most, or you can do it opposite. Also note what activities you did that day because they can help determine what, if anything, is making your pain worse? And this gives your doctor a really good understanding of how you're living with chronic pain and your, fit, your ability to function on a daily level. Learn biofeedback to decrease migraine and tension headache pain. This is really important for those of you who have been suffering from migraine headaches, tension headaches, and any sorts of headaches in general. Biofeedback is a very useful tool in consciously controlling body functions. It can sound like science fiction, but there's some good evidence that biofeedback really works, and it is not that hard to master. Here's a little bit about how it works. You wear sensors that let you hear or see certain bodily functions like your pulse, your digestion, your body temperature, and your muscle tension squiggly lines or beeps on the attached monitors reflect what's actually going on inside of your body. Then you learn to control these squiggles and beeps. After a few sessions, your mind has trained your biological system to learn the skills. So if that is something that you think might work for you, I would highly recommend speaking to your doctor about it because they can get you started or situated with a center that can help with biofeedback. Another tip or useful tool with chronic pain management is to get a massage. Not only can massages help to reduce stress and relieve tension, they can also help drain your lymph nodes, relax you, decrease the inflammation, and just put you in a better spot to be able to cope. Overall, when your body is feeling relaxed, you're going to have less tension and less pain, and massage is really, really good at treating those. The next thing on this list is you want to eat a healthy diet if you're living with chronic pain. A well-balanced diet is really important in aiding your digestive process, reducing heart disease risk, keeping weight under control, and improving blood sugar levels. Eat that low-fat diet, low-sodium, choose fresh fruits and vegetables, try to cook at home if you can, and avoid additives and preservatives that can actually create more inflammation in your body. Find ways to distract yourself from pain so that you can enjoy your life more. The more you focus on pain, the worse it will get. That is pretty much guaranteed. Instead, find something you like doing on activities that keep you busy and thinking about things besides your pain. You may not be able to avoid pain completely, but you can take control of your life and reduce those things. Some other things that are really helpful in helping to control and manage pain is drinking water. This may not seem like it's something that will have a huge effect on your body, But it actually is really effective because drinking water instead of other sugary drinks helps to keep your body hydrated and keep muscles functioning properly. When dehydrated, nagging symptoms of headaches or back pain can actually get worse. Learning to breathe deeply can be very effective as well. This can be needed to help calm your body and your mind. Start by relaxing yourself comfortably in a dark room and close your eyes. Slow your breathing and breathe deeply into your chest, not short or shallow breaths. After two to three minutes of focusing on your breathing, your body will start to return to a more controlled state. Posture is a very, very critical thing in helping to control and manage pain. Many people have an idea about what perfect posture is and can emulate it, but not many people actually discipline themselves to sitting with proper posture every day. Sitting with your head in front of your spine called the c slump puts pressure on your shoulders and back and can actually disrupt nerve and blood flow. To reduce strain on back and neck muscles, train your body to sit with correct posture. And if you're really not sure what that is, Do a Google search on correct posture and it will show you many images of what you should be trying to achieve in your own posture. Yoga and stretching can be very effective techniques as well to help control tight and knotted muscles. Acupuncture is yet another tool that many people with chronic pain use to control that pain and it's been used for quite a number of years and in many ancient civilizations. It's a very effective tool for many people who are using it to control and manage their pain. What you would probably want to do is get a recommendation from a friend or family member who's actually used the acupuncturist you would like to go to, and then check them out on Yelp. Check out their reviews. See what people are saying about that particular practitioner before you use their services. Acupressure is another similar technique that can give you the same sort of relief. It's basically pressure applied with fingers, elbow, and different devices into different parts of the body. Again, ask your friends and family if they know anybody that they have used that is particularly effective, and then check out the reviews for the acupressurist that you would like to use as well. Fruit can actually be very helpful in helping to reduce inflammation, before you turn to medicine for pain management, for pain management, try strawberries or grapes. Eating one cup of strawberries three times a week can help reduce levels of inflammation in the body. Grapes can also reduce inflammation through the acids that are in them. Enjoying a couple a cup of grapes every other day can help reduce pain over time, as well as turmeric. Turmeric can be a really helpful tool for a lot of people who are trying to naturally control pain. With- without taking doctor-prescribed medications or over-the-counter pain pills. Some people just don't want to take pills, medications, or prescriptions for their pain. So if you are looking for an alternative to those, I would highly recommend trying something like turmeric as a natural pain. And then if you're looking to sort of manage and control your pain and it's gotten to the point where you've tried some of these other things, you might want to try over-the-counter medications. Acetaminophen or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory based medications can help reduce pain. Try leave, try Advil, try some of those other things and see if maybe a smaller dose of those types of things can help manage and control your pain. Okay, so another technique that I want to talk about for pain management and chronic pain is a technique called tapping. What is tapping? Well, Tapping or EFT tapping is emotional freedom technique. It's an alternative treatment for physical pain and emotional distress. And it's also referred to as tapping or psychological acupressure. And I heard about this when I was in a CPR class a few weeks ago. And it's something that I found was super, super effective in not only helping with pain management, but helping control anxiety and depression as well. People have found relief from chronic pain, emotional problems, disorders, addictions, phobias, post-traumatic stress disorders, and physical diseases by simply using this technique called tapping. It is sort of a newer technique, but it's based upon practices in Eastern medicine that have been in use for over 5,000 years. Like acupuncture and acupressure, tapping is a set of techniques which utilize the body's energy meridian points. You can stimulate these meridian points by tapping on them with your fingertips, literally tapping into your body's own energy and healing power. So here's a little bit about how it works. According to the people that know about tapping best, all negative emotions are felt through a disruption of the body's energy. Physical pain and disease are intricately connected to negative emotions. Health problems in general create feedback. Physical symptoms can cause emotional distress and unresolved emotional problems manifest themselves through physical symptoms, which can include depression, anxiety, and pain. So the body's health must be approached as a whole. You cannot treat symptoms without addressing the cause and vice versa. The body, like everything else in the universe, is composed of energy. Restoring balance to the body's energy means you will mend the negative emotions and physical symptoms that stem from energy disruption. Tapping actually restores the body's energy balance, and negative emotions and feelings can be more easily conquered. The basic technique requires you to focus on the negative emotion at hand a fear, an anxiety, a bad memory an unresolved problem, pain in specific areas of your body, or anything else that's bothering you. While maintaining your mental focus on this issue, use your fingertips to tap five to seven times each on 12 of the body's meridian points. Tapping on these meridian points while concentrating on accepting and resolving the negative emotions or feelings can help you access your body's energy and restore it to a balanced state. You may be wondering about where these meridians are, but put simply, energy circulates through your body along a specific network of channels. You can tap into this energy at any point along the system. This concept actually comes from the doctrine of traditional Chinese medicine, which refers to the body's energy as qi. In ancient times, Chinese people discovered 100 meridian points within the body and discovered that stimulating these meridian points could help with healing. They call it energy. Some people call it the source. Other people call it the life force or the chi. Whatever you want to call it, it has been found to be very effective for a lot of people. In many ways, tapping is very similar to acupuncture and acupressure. Like tapping, acupuncture achieves healing through stimulating the body's meridians and energy flow. However, unlike tapping, acupuncture involves needles. No needles are involved when you use the tapping technique. Acupuncture also takes years to master, so it can take a really long time for somebody to memorize the hundreds of meridian points throughout the body. The knowledge and training takes years to acquire and perfect, but tapping is actually really simple and painless and can be learned by almost anyone. You can also apply it yourself whenever you want and wherever you are. It is much less expensive and time consuming than many other techniques and can really create a significant change when you use it effectively and regularly. But most importantly, many people believe it gives you the power to heal yourself putting control over your own destiny back in your own hands. And we all know that people who are suffering from chronic disease or chronic pain, you really feel a lack of control over your body and over the ability to control that pain. But that is not the case. You can actually use this technique to control your body and your pain. Yes, tapping as a technique has been criticized by a lot of people who are very skeptical of whether it's effective or not. Doctors and psychologists are really quick to dismiss this technique as a bunch of mumbo jumbo because they don't have scientific backing like they have for a lot of other things. However, in recent years, there's been a growing pool of research that proves why millions of people all over the world are using this technique to eliminate their pain and help control what they're dealing with in their body. There have actually been studies at Harvard Medical School with this technique as well, and it's found that the brain's stress and fear response, which is controlled by an almond-shaped part of your brain called the amygdala, could be lessened by stimulated meridian points used in acupuncture, acupressure, and tapping. So here are the five steps that people most commonly use with EFT tapping. If you have more than one issue or fear or area of pain, You can repeat this sequence to address it and reduce or eliminate the intensity of your negative feelings. First and foremost, you want to identify the issue. In order for this technique to be effective, you have to first identify the issue or fear you have. This is going to be your focal point while you are tapping. So my lower back hurts, my neck hurts, I have migraines, I'm scared of, I have anxiety because, I have depression due to. That's narrowing it down and creating a focal point that you're going to focus on. One problem at a time is going to enhance your outcome of this particular technique. Next, you want to test the initial intensity. After you identify your problem area, my bladder pain, my pain in my abdomen, etc., you'll need to set a benchmark for level of intensity. This intensity level is rated on a scale from 0 to 10, with 10 being the worst or most difficult. The scale assesses the emotional or physical pain and discomfort you can be feeling from your specific issue. Establishing a benchmark helps you monitor your progress after performing a complete EFT sequence your initial intensity was 10 prior to tapping and you end with a five, then you have accomplished a 50% improvement level. That is why it is very important to start out with giving yourself that initial intensity point. Like I'm feeling pain on a, a level eight And then after you're done with your tapping, then you will, you'll assess yourself again. I'm feeling the pain at a level five. That's how you know that the tapping is helping to improve your pain or your stress level. Next, you're going to establish a phrase that explains what you're trying to address. Address. It must focus on two goals. Number one, acknowledging the issue, whether it be pain, depression, anxiety, and two, accepting yourself as a person despite the problem. The setup phrase most commonly used is, even though I have this, you fill in the blank here, this pain, this depression, this anxiety, I deeply and completely accept myself. You can alter this phrase so that it fits your specific problem But it must not address anyone else's but your own. You can't say, even though my mother is sick, I deeply and completely accept myself. You have to focus on the problem that makes you feel what you feel in order to relieve that problem. It's better to assess the situation by saying, even though I'm sad my mother is sick, I deeply and completely accept myself. That is just one example. Next is the tapping sequence. And this is very, very important because there are 12 major meridians that mirror each other on the side of the body and correspond to one internal organ. However, EFT mainly focuses on these nine points. Number one is the karate chop, which is the outer portion of your hand opposite the thumb. This connects to the small intestine meridian, the top of your head, Directly in the top is the governing vessel. The eyebrow right above in the middle of your eyebrow is the bladder meridian. The side of your eye is the gallbladder meridian. And that is on that hard bone on the side of your eye. Under the eye, also on the height of the hard bone, right in the center is the stomach meridian. Under the nose, right between your upper lip and your nose, right in the middle there is the governing vessel. The chin Right in the center on the hard bone is the central vessel. The collarbone, right in the beginning of it, is the kidney meridian, the side closest to the middle of your collarbone, and under the arm, which is the spleen meridian. Begin by tapping the karate chop point while simultaneously reciting your setup phrase three times. Then tap each point seven times, moving down the body from the eyebrow five to seven times. Side of the eye, five to seven times, under the eye, five to seven times, under the nose, five to seven times, the chin, five to seven times, the beginning of the collarbone, and under the arm. After tapping the underarm point, finish your sequence at the top of the head, which was also your beginning point. While tapping the ascending points, recite a reminder phrase to maintain focus on your problem area. Examples of this would be, even though I'm sad my mother's sick, I deeply and completely accept myself. Even though I'm experiencing symptoms of IBS, I deeply and completely accept myself. Even though uh, my bladder hurts and I've gone to the bathroom 27 times today, I deeply and completely accept yourself. Recite this phrase at each tapping point and repeat the sequence two or three times. At the end of that sequence, rate your intensity again on a scale of one to 10 and compare your results. You might want to keep a journal or a diary, which also details what happened during each one of your tapping sessions. And the great part about tapping is you can do it anywhere, anytime, and as many times as you like. Does it work? Typically, people that use this technique experience some form of significant relief within about a month. The bottom line here is that EFT tapping is an alternative acupressure therapy treatment used to restore balance to disrupted energies within the body. It is also an authorized treatment for war veterans with PTSD and and it's demonstrated some benefits as a treatment for anxiety, depression, physical pain, and insomnia. There are a ton of success stories out there. Take a look at it. If you want to know a little bit more and want more direction on the tapping points and how to use this technique... All you have to do is go onto YouTube or Google EFT tapping and you can watch videos of people practicing the technique so that you can learn specifically what you need to do to use this technique most effectively for yourself. So my chronic pain, some of the things that I do to manage the back and neck pain is ice, tiger balm. I use the creams and rubs, the Bengay, the icy hot, those sorts of things on the areas of pain. I also use a foam roller. That is one of the techniques that really helps to break up scar tissue and to sort of decrease the inflammation of the muscles around the pain point. You can also use a fascia blaster to help with that as well. I do cold or warm soaks in the tub. I use Epsom salts. For my bladder pain, I tend to avoid caffeine, alcohol, citrus, tomato, chocolate. Those are major flare-up things for me. When I drink a lot of water and avoid those things, it helps to control and manage my symptoms of IC. Now... I never really know when flare-ups are going to happen. They usually are worst around my period as well. So, I try to baby myself a little bit around that time and make sure that I'm getting enough fluids. What I also found is very as very effective for my IC is to periodically take one of those Anzo Azo tablets. And I know that they make your pee red or yellow, but they help for me, when I'm going to the bathroom 27 times a day to actually minimize that and control it. So they also tell you that when you're experiencing the symptoms for that and you need to try to control the amount of times you're going is start timing yourself and keep it keeping a journal of the times that you're going so that you can try to stretch it out each time so if you're initially going like every 15 or 20 minutes you want to try to stretch that to 30 or 40 minutes as much as you can and then gradually increase that by a minute or two each time you try or each time you're experiencing those symptoms I know it can be a real pain in the butt when you're feeling that fullness and pressure like you have to go to the bathroom or sometimes like somebody punched you in your lower regions. It can be extremely painful and frustrating. I also sometimes will just take a dose of Aleve or ibuprofen in order to sort of help with that pain. There are many over-the-counter medications that people with IC can use nowadays. I tend to stay away from the heavier pain medications that are doctor-prescribed because I just don't like that groggy and sort of icky feeling when I take them. But those are generally some of the things I do to manage and control my IC symptoms. I also find that when I eat less sugar, I also get a greater relief of my symptoms when I'm trying the other techniques in combination. It seems like consumption of sugar for me can sort of be a trigger that makes the IC symptoms worse. So if you have any questions about pain management or pain control, feel free to shoot me an email. I promise you the next episode we're going to talk about IBS and sort of controlling and helping with the symptoms is that of that as well. And this is the point where we say so long. Farewell. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please shoot us an email or send us a message over social media. On social media, we're at podcast.addict. And our email address is hypoalmapodcast at gmail.com or hypochondriacsalmanac at gmail.com. Please join us again next week when we talk more about strange medical news, conditions, and treatments. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay healthy, keep it real, and always live your best life. Bye!